0: You're listening to a Monster Kid Podcast. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Clock Strikes Midnight, a podcast for discussion of weird, fun films and TV shows to watch late at night. I'm your host, Jay. And tonight, I'm joined by Sonny to discuss 1987's Slumber Party Massacre 2. So turn out the lights, draw the shades, wrap up in your favorite blanket by the speaker, and listen for the 12 bells.
1: That was very soothing.
0: I, was, <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to sort of help put you at ease a little bit. <laughs> I am so excited to have you join me. Thank you for coming.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, this is a riot. So um, so Sonny and I actually have met kind of through, uh, I found you on Twitter, um, and were you following Test Pattern with me or was it something else?
1: It was before that. I think it was just something Romero related. Yeah. Maybe it was the um, Living Dead weekend? It,
0: yeah, it might have been the Living Dead weekend because I was looking at all my, my my Pittsburgh and I was like, Yin's all going to the to the event. And you were like, are you a native? <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, have you ever, did you ever, and I've been there like several times. I love the Living Dead weekend. It's usually done in June. Uh, and I'm going again this week, this uh, year. So hopefully I'll see you there.
1: Maybe I'll finally go.
0: Yeah, I will I will come to your house and drag you out, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean quietly and silently because we're taking care of a little one too. I um, no,
1: she's she's rowdy. It's fine.
0: <laughs> we'll have to bring her with us. Oh, she'd love it. <laughs> and the hubby too, he'll come. We'll bring the whole I'll bring you all I bring all you guys with me and we'll just put you in and you'll meet all the all the good folks there. You, is that a Look, I it, for me it's like a Mecca. Right? Uh, the, the little off topic, but the Monroeville Mall is kind of a mecca for me and, yeah. and, and Romero stuff. But I, my friends who live in Pittsburgh kind of giggle a little bit when I, when yeah, I talk we're about not, it. Yeah,
1: we're not too into it.
0: No. The, the, the
1: cemetery is nice because it hasn't changed, but the Monroeville Mall is so different from what it looked like in the 70s. Like none of the the main things that make it noticeable in film are still there. Like the clock tower's gone,
0: the footbridge, yeah, everything. Yep. However, I mean those big skylights are still there. Right? Yeah. On each end of the mall. And the layout hasn't changed. Uh and the naturalizer shoe shop. <laughs> it's exactly the same. I'm serious. It's crazy. I like I go walk through it. I'm like Exactly. And even the sign, I think. I don't think the sign has changed since 1978. Which is pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they have that love- uh, that bust of Romero in there now too, which does not look terribly like him.
0: No, it's it's got definitely that sort of bronze god uh copper plated thing. Look yeah. to it. But but you know what? Uh I if I remember correctly, they didn't that was the one and they didn't put his Is his are his glasses on in that one?
1: I don't think I don't remember.
0: I don't think so either, and I think that's what kind of bothers me about it because I'm like, come on, man, you have to have the big hoop, like crazy mid seventies glasses that he basically wore his whole life.
1: Okay, yeah, I just googled it. They're not, they're not on there. It looks weird.
0: Come on, man. I mean, that's that's staple. That's staple. Romero. We're missing out on some of the good stuff.
1: It's better than the Mister Rogers statue. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i haven't seen that it's where's terrifying. that where's that one son it's where's down that one?
1: down behind's field somewhere like right by the water and <laughs> oh, it no if if i hadn't been told that it's him i would never know
0: <laughs> oh no i might have to google this please describe it while we're talking
1: <laughs> it it's lumpy is the only way to describe it <laughs> i think it's supposed to be like the softness of the material of a sweater or something but it's just really weird Oh no! Yeah, it looks like it's made oh. with pre-chewed gum, and then they like <laughs> spray painted it gold.
0: Yeah, it looks like a really good paper mache giant statue.
1: Yeah, it's like a pinata. It's terrifying.
0: <laughs> and he's he's also in this kind of very peculiar. Oh, he's taking his shoe off. Yeah, that's what's going on there. And apparently, occasionally people like put on his, put on a big shirt on him. Like a big, uh, yeah, he deserves jersey. the sweater. Oh, uh, we love Fred. Rest in peace, Fred, and, and and George A. Romero. Yeah, but that's great intro because Sonny is, is from the Steel City. Yeehaw. And, uh, and she has chosen a humdinger for us tonight Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie. And her friends go to their condo for a weekend getaway. But Courtney can't get rid of the haunting feeling that a supernatural rockabilly driller killer is coming to murder them all. And scene. <laughs> That's, that, and, and listen, if, if you're not into like highly visual era pieces... That's all you really need to know about this movie, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: It's really about the visuals more than anything. I'm
1: obsessed with the set design.
0: uh, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the music.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
0: Which is big time of the era, so... That leads me into like how, because look, look, Sunny's a very cool person. She has, she's got wide and varied film taste and she's very direct about them, which I dig is sort of, that's you're a classic Pittsburgher (laughs) in that you're just direct about what you think and how you feel about it. And, but I know you're a big Giallo fan. Yeah. And uh, so I thought for sure when I invited you to come on the show. Uh, first of all, I'm very grateful that you that you agreed to come here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And also, I thought for sure I was going to get like some like short film from Argento that I'd never seen before.
1: I, Tenebrae was on my short list. <laughs> yeah. And then they took it off of Shutter, and it had to be something streaming so we could both watch it.
0: So oh, that, that was kinda, kind of you.
1: Yeah that that wrecked me.
0: No, that was good of you, though, because I would have, we'll come back. If, if, if you have fun and and, uh, and you ever want to talk to me again, we'll bring you back. We'll do Tenebrae. Uh, because I watched Tenebrae because of you. Thank you. I did. <laughs> and But but here's the thing. So it, it uh, first of all, it was you saying in so many, like repeatedly, like, you got to watch this. Mo- what's the matter with you? You're a horror fan. And you've never seen this film. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? And then Test Pattern finally said, I did a show with them uh, and uh, with uh, Jacob and Tab on their, on their program about Soylent Green um, and Omega Man. And they were like, um, they were talking about how, how the, how the, those vibes from those film kind of culminated in Tenebrae. And I was like, oh, I have to, okay, fine. I have to go see this now. Yes. And I did, it. I thought of you the whole time, and I'm like, this is outstanding. However, we went a different route today.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd surprise you a little.
0: (laughs) You did. And uh, so how did you... What was the first... All right, here's a great question for you. How did you come across this film like the first time ever, and then what's your history with it since then?
1: Okay, so (laughs) when I was a kid, I would walk to the video store every day after school and there was there were a few employees but there was one guy who was always there he wasn't even the manager he just was constantly there and I think every video store had that guy that gave you like great recommendations and he was just like super friendly and he (laughs) I distinctly remember when I was 12 years old he called my mom and he was like hey is she allowed to rent r-rated movies and my mother was like yeah it's fine whatever (laughs) <laughs> and from then on, he started cool giving me like
0: very cool mom. Oh
1: yeah, he started nice. giving me like really great recommendations, and he actually introduced me to Argento and like all the best stuff. And
0: Argento had, at twelve years old,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, man! It was a uh, bird with the crystal plumage.
0: Okay, well that uh, he well at least you started with a classic.
1: Yeah, it was great. And, I um, mean,
0: let's face it, all the Argentos are classic, but
1: oh, they're yeah. eh, most of them are good. <laughs> Yeah, it, it got a little weird in the '90s.
0: I'll take it though. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm there for it. But yeah, So this. Wow, that's amazing. I also have great respect for somebody who sees a minor come into the store who clearly has the eye for this kind of art. Yeah. And then says, "Uh, might want to run this by your folks." And yeah. So they, kudos they put to in th- like that. a little
1: note on your account about whether you're allowed to rent R-rated movies if you're underage.
0: Yeah. No, I dig that you were running around in there at 12 years old. That's pretty amazing. Um, So, all right, Bird with the Crystal Plumage.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, Slumber Party Massacre 2 was one of the recommendations. I think it was the first two and then maybe Sorority House Massacre. Nice. I think he sent me home with all three of those.
0: I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a little bit older than Sunny, which means a lot older than <laughs> Sunny. Which also means that um, she's raising a cute little baby. She's such a doll. I'm sorry. I hope I, it's okay. I mentioned your baby. No, it's fine. I've seen the photos online. She's such a cute little kiddo. Um, and but I I was like uh, in I was I was I grew up in the 80s, so. I always have confused, I'm just being honest with everybody out there, I always confused um, Sorority House Massacre, Slumber Party Massacre, and Sleepaway Camp. I I don't know why, until, well, I I, I take it back, until I saw them all.
1: Mm.
0: But the, the titles and the covers, and I don't know, they all struck me as a similar style, a similar vein.
1: Well, yeah, the, the Slumber Party Massacre movies and the Sorority House Massacre movies are like intertwined. I think one of them is technically Slumber Party Massacre 3 is a Sorority House Massacre movie.
0: Oh my goodness. So yeah, they're, they're actually the same, same series.
1: Yeah, they're, it's, it's like when you watch the House series and like some of them are Evil Dead movies and then some of them are Italian ripoffs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I, they're
1: all American
0: they're all, they're all American, except for when they're Italian. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, don't know how Sleepaway Camp got in there, but those are also great.
0: Uh, maybe because of the S. I, honestly, it makes no sense at all. I just really um, love
1: Pamela Springsteen.
0: Uh, oh, man. And I got to tell you something. I think Sleepaway Camp was the first one that I saw uh, of the three, and I loved it. Of course I loved it. Of course. And then Slumber Party Massacre, or OG, I think I saw. But somehow, Sonny, this one got away from me, and I'm not sure how (laughs) exactly. So my history with it is kind of um, is the opposite of yours. So you you saw this because some uh, somebody saw your auteur, you know, minor eye looking at this kind of art, saying, "Oh, she could. This could be kind of cool if it's okay with her folks that she watches this as a as a kiddo." Yeah, And then you got into it, and now you're an adult, and you're still into it. Yep. Which is amazing. I got into it because I'd seen the OG, and I'd never really heard of this until you and other people online started saying, you really have to watch this because it's genius.
1: (laughs) It's truly art.
0: (laughs) It is. It's all kinds of art. Um, And I'm, I'm glad that you recommended it because there's a lot to unpack here um what are the things about it like say mm, what stands out as you like the, what? what things do you like most about it just generally speaking not like it can be specific too if you wish but i was just thinking like what about this just really captures you because i'll tell you something there's a vibe to it for me that reminds me of being a kid in the 80s uh, which is worth its weight in gold, at least for me as an older, older dude than you. So, but what about you? Like, what are some things that stand out that you really love about it?
1: I mean, I'm going to make you feel bad here. I was only alive for three years of the '80s, so I don't really remember them. But I, there's something about the Get conflicting off my aesthetic
0: lawn, of you punk. <laughs> Get out of here! Oh my god, I Machado. want an orange Julius. And my smokes.
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) It's the conflicting aesthetic of the fact that everything in the house is very pastel and the girls are wearing the bright colors. And then the driller killer shows up wearing his like leather jacket and he's smoking and he's got the sunglasses and he's got the cool greaser hair. It's just, oh, it's perfect to look at.
0: It's a feast for the eyes. I will give you that for sure. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Actually, one of the things that I really like i, I uh, along with my 80 vi- 80s vibe appreciation, like you said the pastel colors the the furniture in the uh, sort of the would be like log cabin cottage in the woods mm-hmm. turns out to be a, a condo in the in the Hollywood hills <laughs> in this film and they uh the the furniture is sort of pastel and prints and it's like really low sitting and they've got the sort of the glass the glass top, uh, coffee tables and, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and the, and the, the, it's not 70s shag. It's more like a, a Berber, an 80s Berber carpet. I mean, the whole thing screams era Yeah, in my book in a good way.
1: Yeah. It looks great.
0: Agreed. Like it's really, it's really nicely shot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's something I really like about it too. I also like that the, so the, the premise, <laughs> and we, we can talk a little bit about this too. I'm <laughs> skipping around, skipping around a little bit. The premise is, well, I mean, just, I mean, you you can swear on this, uh, you can curse on this uh, podcast okay. if you want, if you, but because, uh, because I'm about to say the premise is kind of batshit crazy. Oh Yeah. By which I mean, it, it's kind of makes no sense. And it, in a in the best, most ridiculous, fun way. Um, but somehow I still care about the characters. I, I don't know how that works exactly. I mean, most of them.
1: Yeah, take most it, of
0: them. Most of them. I take it, like for instance, like what's his name, JT. I care that he gets pummeled and killed.
1: Yeah, it's the cadence <laughs> of his voice because
0: he is terrible. He's a terrible human. I don't know if he deserves what he gets in the end, but will I suppose I, we? Can I talk mean, if about any
1: it. of them do, he deserves it the most. <laughs>
0: You're right. That's ex- that's an act that is completely accurate, and I couldn't agree more. Uh but these are really charismatic kids, actors. They're probably in their 20s, to be fair. And at the time, anyway. And <laughs> they are, and we care about them. I, care, I cared about them, which is peculiar because the story makes no sense. and uh, And they're all basically being very vapid and not engaging in any meaningful way with life or necessarily really with each other. There's a really funny scene that happens later where Sally is like, talking to Courtney in the bathroom and she's like, this is right before her head blows, her gigantic um, like horror zit blows up. <laughs> and she, well, it was like, oh my God, that was off. That was crazy effects. But anyway, she's talking to her sister and she starts off really serious. She's like, I, what? you're my friend. Please talk to me. I really want to talk to you. Yeah. And I believed it, you know, and then I caught myself believing it and I'm like, stop. Just enjoy this stupid dark ride will you
1: <laughs> well it's that paired with the way that right before that courtney runs down the stairs from the bathroom and tells her she needs her in there and she like barely hesitates to get up and follow her she's like yeah of course i'll come with you
0: <laughs> yeah like that's a real friend right there yeah even though her head's about to blow up and then she's gonna go off to a store and come back and her face is fine
1: after she meets a really rad guy <laughs>
0: That's right. I forgot. And then she starts explaining to the cops that she met this rad guy. (laughs) And I'm like, why are you telling the cops this? Maybe because their names are Officer Kruger.
1: And Officer Voorhees.
0: And Officer Voorhees. They get
1: angry at her, too. They tell her that she's wasting taxpayer money and police resources, but she's not the one who called the cops.
0: (laughs) I know. But she's the reason the cops were called. And of course, then later they scold Courtney for calling back with with the actual intruder, right? They're yeah, like, they just don't hang call here. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, have you, you never get hung up on by the police. They might c- circle back, come get you, and arrest you for making you know false calls to the to the station.
1: I mean, which at that point is kind of what you want.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Or, or at the very least, send a squad car. Jeez, don't hang up. Um, but yeah, those are I uh. I agree with everything you like about it. I like the same things. I found it hard to. I found it. I, I found on paper. I found many things that you could potentially dislike about this movie, and I. I didn't really dislike any of them. I. I thought they. I thought it was just a fun romp. Yeah. The whole way through, for you, is it part of like nostalgia though, Sonny? Because like you saw it as a kiddo.
1: I think so. Yeah, but also it just it holds up. There's certain things that I saw as a kid that I've tried to return to that are not nearly as good as i remember them being and this one still is
0: i I do that all the time i know what you're talking about you go back to certain scenes and films and you're like oh my god this traumatized me there's a movie called uh uh that um from the 70s i'm trying to remember who was in it I i think it was a made for tv movie it was called the legacy um and it it horrified me because there was a scene in the middle where this sort of shadowy figure uh, uh, basically traps this woman magically underwater. She's swimming in a pool, and she tries to surface, and she can't. Mm-hmm. And it horrified me, and I went back to watch it, you know, you know 20, 30 years later, I was like, "Oh my God, scariest scene ever." And I watched it, and I was like, "Uh. Oh, well. Okay, it, was, <laughs> it didn't really have the same effect on me later, but I still appreciated the art.
1: Yeah, mine was Midnight Lace.
0: Nice. It's
1: the the voice on the phone. I was terrified of it as a kid. It was high-pitched and creepy, and then yeah. I watched it again as an adult, and I was like, that's, it sounds silly.
0: Now, that's a, uh, that, that's not an Argento, though. That's, um... Oh, I have
1: no idea who directed Midnightly
0: No, I should know this. I'm gonna find out. But um and <laughs> uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely look it up as we're as we're chatting. Uh the Giallo film, right?
1: No, no. It's um
0: I'm... Oh no no no. The Doris Day the, the Doris Day Rex Harrison yeah. film. Yes, nineteen sixty, uh David Miller. Okay. Uh yeah, sorry. I was thinking of I was thinking of something else.
1: <laughs> Blood and Black Lace maybe?
0: Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Thank you. Thank you. That's also a pretty amazing film, right? I mean Oh, it's really good. Come back and we'll do all these films. Yes. We we'll each one at a time, but um so the so yeah, so there's some cool vibes about this movie and uh I I don't think it it's its own kind of art. It's very visual. There's a, the music, it defin- the music, the costuming and even the cinematography kind of Place it squarely in the eighties, and I and I I just I just dug that, you know. It put it put me back in my home base. Yeah, yeah. All right, was Tokyo convertible a real song? Yeah, it is. Is it really? Yeah. An actual? Now wait, did they write it for the film though?
1: I'm not sure. Okay. I've got. Like a playlist of songs from horror movies that I listen to, and that's on there. <laughs>
0: no, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm blown. That away one by this. and
1: um, Hell's Cafe that they listen to during the pillow fight.
0: <laughs> by the way, her her parents would have been so ticked off. Look, I I, I hate to be like the goody goody and like Rain on the Parade, <laughs> but there's this like semi nude, uh, four girl pillow fight that happens at at the condo be. Like first of all, they all break out the champagne. So kudos to the girls for you know not settling for natty light.
1: The booze right? closet, yeah, it's
0: amazing. So they say they raid Dad's booze closet, and then they all start having a pillow fight. Which you know, I think you and I were watching, kind of texting back and forth as we watched this, and I'm like, this can't be accurate. And you were like, I think you said like it's about ninety percent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i can't tell you i had to i had to stop that i almost had to stop the movie so i could stop laughing at that one but um but yeah no they're having this huge pillow fight right and feathers are flying i mean they destroyed the furniture feathers are flying out of everywhere
1: yeah it's not even an accident courtney picks up a pillow and she starts pulling feathers out of it to rain down on them because she's apparently a monster
0: (laughs) (laughs) she is actually she's a chicken
1: Oh yeah, because a little
0: bit. <laughs> that's that's the line, right? Isn't it? was No, no, like a it wasn't it chicken. wasn't Courtney. It was that was um that was Sally uh talking with Sheila. Yeah. So you, yeah, you look like a chicken. Because they've basically have um I'm trying to remember. Oh, they spilled the champagne on themselves, of course.
1: Which made the feathers stick.
0: Which made the feathers stick. And then because they had uh because Sheila, I think it was just Sheila, because she had sticky champagne stuff all over her blouse and bra, she just stripped them all off. Yeah. And then got covered with feathers from Courtney's.
1: <laughs> and then just puts it right back on on top of the feathers. <laughs> I did see that. Like, Doesn't even try to minute. pull them off.
0: <laughs> What's that all about? Wait a minute. Is there is there like a birds of, of fowl uh, a motif here? Because there's feathers flying over there. And then later, Courtney has this weird moment where she is. This one of your favorite scenes, by the way, because I won't ruin it if it is where she goes to the fridge and opens the fridge. Oh,
1: it's good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> is that was that one of your favorites? Because I'll save it. It no, it's all right. All right. So so yeah. So Courtney goes to the fridge at some point. I'm trying to remember exactly what's going on, and she <laughs> and she opens the fridge, and what happens, Sonny?
1: A raw chicken comes out and attaches. It's very weird. It seems to attach to her hips. And then the camera shot changes and it's suddenly up on her chest. (laughs) And it's sort of wiggling a little. And she manages to fight it off. And when she goes to get... Oh, who she got? She gets TJ, I think? No, she gets Jeff.
0: Jeff. Well, Jeff's the quote-unquote proto-hero.
1: Yeah, she gets Jeff and Amy. And it's just on the floor... Like a normal chicken.
0: <laughs> it's a refrigerated chicken. Well, she opens the door and it comes at her like, why? And it just flies out. I think it's supposed to be a jump scare, right? I'd, probably. <laughs> and then it's poor little like headless neck starts flopping around and s- squirting like black goo. I'm not sure what that's about, but it was pretty gross and horrifying. It was horrifying. It was a little scary to be honest. <laughs> was, you know, I'm just saying. And then uh, she goes to get Jeff and... Um, She runs out of the room to go get Jeff and Amy, who, by the way, Sonny, help me out here. Are they dating? What's up with that? Jeff and Amy dating?
1: I think they are. I think they're just not as annoying about it as (laughs) Sheila and TJ are. So you don't really notice until later in the movie.
0: (laughs) Also, what does TJ see? Or rather, what does Sheila see in TJ? What's that about? Come on. I have no idea. Aside from the fact that he's a styling dude who wears... A leather jacket over his swim trunks at the pool. Yeah,
1: that's a good look. I'm into yeah,
0: that. I, I'm with you on that one. But that's but the only thing that I saw that he has to offer.
1: Everything about him is terrible. Because <laughs> yeah, otherwise he's a jackass. Like he Also he can barely read. He can <laughs> He's he really can't read. struggling. He, like reads
0: word for word. Even in like a what is that, like a erotic romance yeah. book of some kind? That Sally was really into. There was a funny moment, and in, in, uh, this isn't one of my favorites either, so I can spoil it, but there's a funny moment in the car where the girls, there are four girls. Uh, Courtney is Courtney is basically the, the continuity between part one and this part, part two, mm-hmm. because she is the younger sister, not the same actress. This actress, Courtney is played in this film by Courtney Bernard, or not by Courtney, by... Um, Crystal. Crystal Bernard. <laughs> Who went on to, to star in Wings. Helen. As Helen Chapel. And love she was Helen. fantastic. In fact, at the end of the chicken moment, there's this I, I thought that was a very she said, Come on, I was attacked by this chicken. <laughs> and and the way she said it sounded exactly like Helen Chapel. I'm like, there's the Helen Chapel we all know and love. Right there. Uh but yeah, so the young the young sister from the original um, is in, now in high school, and she's just, she's in a band, and she's just, she's got a crush on a beefcake named Matt, and oh, she's Matt. Just, she's oh man, and then who were well, we'll talk about Matt later, but um, uh, I, we're and then she goes to uh, she takes her buddies out to um one of her friend's dad's new. It's like a, it's a. I think it's supposed to be a cottage, but it's really kind of just a condominium complex. Yeah, in Yeah, she. Hills. She
1: tells her mother over dinner that Mr. Barrington got a new condo, and then she, for some reason, forgets her friend's last names, and she's like, "Sheila's dead."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, wait a minute. Why would you say the last name and then immediately forget it? It doesn't make any sense, does it? But. But it is cool. I'd love to know the story about how this how they found this location because frankly, um it's it's fun. It's yeah, more you fun. Said it
1: reminded you of Poltergeist.
0: It, it, yeah, it did. It, it looks like the it looks like the little um to, maybe a little smaller, a little more quaint than the Poltergeist neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But it looks kind of like that, sort of set nestled up in the hills. And in its own way, it's a little uh, it it's basically being built and the, these kids sort of go there. So it it's a it, It's this film's version of the log cabin isolated in the woods. Yeah. But.
1: I don't think there are meant to be many neighbors, but at one point they knock on a door (laughs) and a guy does come out.
0: That is one of my favorite scenes. So we'll, we're going to come back to that one. I actually listed that Sonny. Sorry. As one of of my favorite scenes in this whole film, which probably tells you a lot about me. We're we're, going to come back to that one. Um, But yeah, so she, she goes up and, but so, no, we've got um, we've got her, and what confused me was, so she's lusting after this guy named Matt. Yes. Uh, who is a good-looking 80s dude. Uh, he's, uh, how would you describe, I don't even know how to start with Matt, man. How, how do you do, first, first of all, he's got the 80s mullet and a tan, California yeah. dude. Yeah, his hair right? seems
1: to be a little feathered.
0: A little feathered. Wears short shorts. Shirtless th- a lot.
1: I think if I told somebody to draw... Like a football player from high school in the '80s, from memory, they'd probably come up with something like Matt.
0: I can, I'll go with that. I will, I would also add that Matt, uh, it, add to that sort of pretty boy. Yeah, like he's got sort of a very sort of clean cut, um, chiseled yet sensitive like face on him. And, like, he's zero body fat, like, like you said, kind of trim.
1: Yeah, like. he's, he's not my type, but I, I guess he's probably, like, stereotypically attractive.
0: Well, for the 80s chicks.
1: <laughs> I mean, the Driller Killer's right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about him. We're getting there. But, but here's what blew me away. So, so Courtney, the continuity from the first film, has a crush on him. And she, apparently he likes her back and he's going to come meet, he's going to come meet the girls at the condo. We didn't even know the other two boyfriends were going to show up, but they do. TJ is Sheila's boyfriend. He's a jackass. Um, Worst. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing right about this guy, really. (laughs) Uh, He's, he's snide and arrogant and is a goof and uh, quick tempered and just ill mannered like everything like you wouldn't want your you know your son or daughter to date in high school. And then um and then there's like Milk Toast Jeff. Yeah. This is what I'm circling back to. How the hell did Jeff wind up with Kimberly MacArthur?
1: Uh by that not Je- being I, as terrible as TJ, I guess.
0: I, I mean, the standards are set pretty low at this high school. <laughs> <laughs> You know,
1: I want to be with Kimberly MacArthur.
0: Oh, my goodness. I kind of forgot what a naturally lovely woman she is. I I hadn't really thought about her for uh, over two decades until you were like, hey, that's Kimberly MacArthur. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh, it is. She's a model uh, for those who aren't initiated. She's a model from the 80s. Um she is she's got sort of a lovely, uh, like the prettiest girl next door look to her that you could imagine. Um, and she also then appeared in Playboy. And I heard a rumor that she actually inspired Angel is a Centerfold song by the Jay Giles band.
1: I would love that. Is that true?
0: I, I've, I don't know. I can't confirm it. But it kind of makes sense, though, right? Yeah. I mean, she looks like the prom, the prom queen slash. You know, head of the uh, National Honor Society. If I was writing that
1: song, it would definitely be about her. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I heard that rumor. Uh, But it makes sense, right? And then I also um, read that she had stipulated in her contract that she wanted to be taken as a serious actress. So she would not be taking off her clothes in this film. Yeah. So that was left to um, the actresses who played. And Crystal didn't do it either as the starlet. Yeah. So that was left to mostly to Sheila and a little bit to Sally.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sally leaves her bra on. Sheila yeah. takes her top off.
0: Yeah. And what is two? it? No. Is this is a Roger Corman who like who was uh, 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 I? am trying to remember. I, uh, he produced this film. Yeah. And is it is it supposed to be that every like within five minutes of every Roger Corman film, like the boobs are shown somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> somehow. Like that's the. I mean, that that,
1: would make sense, yeah.
0: You you know, I mean, at least in the eighties and nineties, but yeah, what's cool about this is that, despite the obligatory nudity, um, the at least the girls, the 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 men will talk about, especially the drill killer, but the girls, the 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 women, the young women, uh, actually have really cool personalities and individual like fun little ticks and tidbits and quirks yeah and we care about them who the hell cares about like you know anybody in a slasher film that's credit to the director and the writer yeah would you think i mean uh, the director writer i don't know what else she did uh it says her name was uh, deborah brock yeah she doesn't have links anywhere else, so I'm not quite sure else. Did you know if she uh, went on to do anything else then?
1: Um, she did the Rock and Roll High School sequel, the bad one with Corey Feldman.
0: <laughs> oh no,
1: the lesser of the Corey's. <laughs> well, I I That's can't tell. debatable. Yeah, uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> No, I, I can't tell if that's genuinely a bad movie or if I just really love Rock and Roll High School. So I just yeah. hate the sequel.
0: No, I understand that. That's actually, that's fair. That's a completely fair route to take. Well, okay. So there are, how many men in this film total? Four?
1: Uh, yeah, four if you count the trailer killer.
0: Oh, wait. Four, five, six if you count the cops. Okay. So, let's talk about the Driller Killer. So, so, Courtney is basically being hounded in her dreams, a la, let's face it, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. By somebody I guess we're supposed to assume is, the from all that I read, please help me. <laughs> is this the same killer from the first film? No. Is it supposed to be? No. <laughs> okay. So, he's just some random guy who showed up.
1: Yeah, he just shows up in her dreams and then somehow is manifested in the real world. I don't He shows up when she's awake for the first time. So I don't know how he gets there.
0: Yeah, you mean in the condo when he sh- and everybody else suddenly sees him?
1: Yeah. She was wide awake for that.
0: She keeps re- she keeps dreaming about this this guy, this greaser in a leather jacket, sort of 50s style, who carries a An 80s style, by the way, like electric guitar, like a like a devil's 80 guitar.
1: Oh, that thing's fantastic.
0: It's pretty amazing. It's got a it's got and it's got a drill, a massive like what is that inch and a half two inch drill bit, which is about two feet in length sticking out the top of the neck of the guitar. And he'll he'll play he'll he'll play rockabilly music and then make a snide remark and then she wakes up. So she's being tortured in her dreams by this driller killer and her sister, Valerie, from the first film, who makes an appearance in this one, too. Not neither of them are played by the same actress. I wonder why they couldn't. Did that disappoint you? I was disappointed they couldn't get um, the actress from the first film to come back and play Valerie in the second one.
1: I think she just has such a small part in this one that I, it wouldn't have mattered to me either way.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. And she looks enough like her that I guess you could suspend disbelief. But she's been because she was she uh, and her friends and I guess Courtney to an extent were the ones who put down the first driller killer. Uh, she's been committed to an asylum. Yeah. And by the way, this whole weekend uh, Courtney is away with her buddies. She's supposed to be going to visit her sister. It's her. It's Courtney's birthday. That's why she got out of it. But she's supposed to be going with her mother to visit her sister in the asylum. Yes, and uh, and she kind of pitches a bit of a fit and says, "I don't want to spend my birthday in the asylum."
1: <laughs> I think that's fair.
0: I I would tend to agree, but it's uh, you know I I I I, I suppose. I'd miss my sister, but, yeah, I guess if it's, if it's my birthday, I'd rather drink champagne and have feathers, like, flown all over my nude body.
1: Yeah. You can just go <laughs> see her the next weekend. It's fine. <laughs> That's right.
0: You'll never believe what we did last weekend. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, so, so she's being haunted by this killer. Now, the killer basically makes the film. Am I right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What what's
0: so great about this guy?
1: Oh, the murder weapon alone is still the coolest murder weapon I've ever seen in a movie. Nothing has topped it yet. Things have things have come close.
0: There's one thing that I can think of off the top of my head, this I just am responding to your <laughs> to your genuine uh beaming at the Driller Killer's guitar. What is it? That would be the uh, the Red's forged weapon from Mandy. Okay. But that wasn't an instrument. That was just an axe with a metal handle and artistic uh, extensions.
1: There's a a pretty cool murder weapon in Satanic Panic, but it's also pretty similar to the Driller Killers.
0: Oh, is it really? Is it a drill?
1: It's a drill. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay. Cheetah. He's cheated. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I think. I, I, you know what? I, I have to admit, I don't know if I've seen Satanic Panic. Gonna have to look that. It's pretty one. fun. Um, yeah. So help me describe this guy other than his weapon.
1: Okay. Um. Wow, I came up with a way to describe him. It was the nerdiest thing ever. Not that. I, just
0: no. Do the nerd thing because you're talking to a nerd. So I mean, have and, you your, ever, and many of my friends who are listening, I mean, all three of them, they're have, nerds.
1: Have you ever played the Fallout games? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I've seen them. Absolutely, yeah.
1: He reminds me of Butch from Fallout Three.
0: There you go. That's oh, per- no. that's that's I that, no that's outstanding. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, he's he's Butch Deloria.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's oh, exactly terrible. what he is. He also reminds me a little bit of Duke Nukem. Ah. Uh. Uh, if Duke, it's the cool had, one-liners. Yeah, exa- that's exactly right. He just, hey, yeah, like he just, <laughs> he growls at the camera and he looks right at the camera. And what's really kind of interesting about this dude is he's he's got major. So for those listening at home, uh, Sonny and I joke back and forth about our cities because I live in Detroit and she lives in Pittsburgh, and um, so these are kind of gritty, pretty much. Midwestern towns and uh, the driller killer is played by
1: the son
0: Illich. of Mike Illich. Now I said that I said Mike Illich. Most people don't know what we're talking about, but everybody who's familiar with Detroit or the Red Wings or the Detroit Tigers know immediately. What? Tigers, that's what? It. So in 1982, Mike Illich, this, guy's dad mind you this is what five years prior to this film right purchased the detroit red wings and it started turning them into a powerhouse of hockey and i grew up a major hockey fan and still am with all due respect to the penguins who are freaking amazing uh i'm a wings fan and a san jose sharks fan that's a story for another time but so so, this family is kind of famous. He also... Well, actually, it's funny I mentioned the Red Wings first. He bought the Tigers in 1992, the Detroit Tigers. And he also, before all of this, was the mogul for Little Caesars Pizza.
1: <laughs> <Ugh>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Opinions vary on good old Little Caesars. But I actually don't mind it. It's probably because I'm from here and I'm, I don't know, I'm a I'm homebody, I guess.
1: I just... It was. The worst oh, you have place. a story
0: though. You you had a, yeah. an experience. I Well, okay, okay. Stop the presses. Sunny told me about something that occurred. Now we have to talk more about it. Tell me. Tell tell the tell I mean, the it's folks. Not a,
1: it's not a fun story.
0: No. Um, well, you don't have to tell it if you don't want to. No. It's but fine. I yeah.
1: Okay. I I managed one for a few years and in
0: in uh, in the burg right. No
1: and, outside, outside.
0: Okay. Of it. But in that area of the country, yeah. Not that, like over here. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah.
1: the general region. Um, I definitely got stabbed once. I was working like 96 hours a week. A bunch of my employees gave each other the clap. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best part was most of the employees that got it from the one that gave it to them were married. So all <laughs> of their wives came in to fight this girl. And I was like, I'm fine with it. Just don't do it in my store. So there were just like fights in the parking lot constantly. It was, it was a rough time.
0: I, uh, that sounds about like, uh, about right for a local, uh, little Caesar's franchise. Yeah. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you recovered yourself. I'm really sorry to hear that you were hurt.
1: Apologies oh no, it was just in the hand.
0: <laughs> you are such a badass burger yeah do not know what it's like to be stabbed well, it was just in the <laughs> hand
1: <laughs> i mean i sh- I'm sure people have been hurt worse, I don't know
0: <laughs> I suppose, but good Lord, stabbed at work
1: I'm good with pain, it's fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'm a uh, so again, with the town stuff, like I'm a huge i I was telling uh, I told Sonny, and then you responded immediately like the ultimate Yinzer. I'm like Donnie a big Iris? Don- I love Donny Iris. <laughs> I knew I love it was her, Donnie Iris. Freaking fantastic! I'm gonna tell. I don't know if I want to announce this. Well, I will because now I started it, so I have to finish it, right? But I've told. Okay, this I've already copyrighted this, so nobody take my idea. And I've talked to my my buddies in the Berg about this. All right. I need to open, uh, like a, a bowling alley bar in Pittsburgh. You ready for the name? The yes. name is the most important part. The name is Yins and Pins.
1: That's amazing.
0: G- Am- right? I would go there. Y- <laughs> You're gonna be the guest of honor. Yes. <laughs> and we're gonna play this podcast episode on a loop. Well, interspersed with Donny Iris songs, who I love. I just worship that guy.
1: Just a clip of us saying how much we love Donny Iris in a little loop. <laughs> and then like ah Leah plays. <laughs>
0: I know. I love that one. And even worse, um, like the, the Do You Compute from the 80s, mm. which is still a favorite, like a favorite song of mine. It was it was formative. What can I tell you? You weren't even born yet. I'm sorry. It's all your fault.
1: I was born the year of Slumber Party Massacre, too.
0: What? Were <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and one day your your little, your cutie little girl's going to be on a podcast, like, got of what? I guess that would be 25 years from now going. Oh god. I was born the year uh that Will Smith Smith slapped. <laughs> oh no. She's too no, thankfully no. she was not born this year, so we're fine.
1: <laughs> she has lived basically her entire life in quarantine though, so that's rough.
0: Yeah, yeah, no kidding. She's going to be like she's going to go to school and be like, well, "Uh, hi?"
1: Yeah, I don't think she's ever seen another kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. She just like, thinks right, everybody's all right. really tall, I guess. <laughs> oh, I love that you can keep up and watch films. She must be like a movie baby, though, right? She must be watching movies with you and stuff.
1: Yeah, actually. <laughs> the time that I have felt like the worst parent, we, we were having people over, and she was still really small. She was under one, I think.
0: How, how old is she now, though?
1: She turned two in October.
0: Okay. Okay, gotcha.
1: We... <laughs> I tried to put something normal on TV so I didn't look like a terrible parent, and I put on Scooby-Doo, and it was like the newer Scooby-Doo's, not Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?
0: Right. Okay.
1: And Jeffrey So it was Combs, lame, basically, yeah. right? It was, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Jeffrey Combs okay. was doing the voice of one of the villains, so oh, that all was right. amazing.
0: Well, that's pretty hip.
1: And she instantly perked up at the sound of his voice like she knew it, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's like, I can't quite place it. Mother. That's
1: Herbert West.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Does your dad, is your dad a big, uh, big horror film guy too? Or not I have so
1: no much? idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that guy.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Oh, my stomach hurts. Stop making me laugh. <laughs> what are your... <laughs> tell <laughs> with him what are your uh what are your favorite three scenes what's one of your favorite scenes from this film
1: okay um <laughs> oh god there's so much Gosh.
0: i know i only pick three i pick three myself if you want me to start i will
1: yeah that'd be good
0: <laughs> all right so number one far and away top of the list damn kids so uh. so all right so let's set the scene uh for some reason uh TJ so TJ gets all right so the, first of all th- this nightmare guy suddenly becomes real for no apparent reason. Yeah. Comes into the condo stabs Courtney's Matt through the, her boyfriend right right as about their about right before they're about to do it. Stabs him through the chest. <laughs> like drills through his chest. And by the way, that was a pretty cool. That was some cool effects.
1: Yeah, it looked great.
0: It looked to me like they spent half the budget on that shot alone. <laughs> so they, they they he stabs him through the chest like spinning drill <laughs> flesh like shreds flying off the drill. Uh, and she runs down pa- she runs downstairs panicked and and we're thinking she just woke up, right? And this is all a dream. Well, guess what? Ilitch chases her down the stairs yelling Red Wings rule. <laughs> no he didn't, he didn't he didn't yell that. I'm sorry. Go but anyway, he runs downstairs and there, and suddenly he's real. And that's the weirdest that's honestly the the biggest the one of the biggest dux mock parts of this whole entire movie like we're, we're what? <laughs> he's real? He actually is real. Because everybody else suddenly sees him and then he attacks everybody, not just um not just Courtney or anybody who's in her dream. And he Stabs TJ on the leg with, and, but TJ, so, and then TJ, for some reason, everybody (laughs) splinters. Like, this is, all the tropes, all the, like, ridiculous moments of horror films happen in this one, like, all simultaneously. Yeah. They all split up because they're being attacked by a dream killer from nowhere with the drill. And Sheila and TJ sort of limp off down the street because she's trying to help him. I don't know where they're going exactly, but he's been kind of... Injured by the drill, right? He's kind of... What, what did she, he, he didn't... Did he actually put a hole in him? No, he just kind of scraped him with yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: think he sort of just slashed at him with the tip.
0: Yeah. So he's cut him, basically, on the legs. Enough to, that he's limping and having a hard time getting about. So instead of staying there and, like, basically trying to disarm this, <laughs> this psychopath with this very unwieldy weapon, they, they, t- they took off, man. They, they hit the road and... Likewise, uh, Courtney and Amy and Jeff all jump into a car to drive away. I think they address it briefly. They're like, well, shouldn't we wait for you know Sheila and JT? And they're like, somebody... I, I don't know if it says like, well, we'll get them if we see them on the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll pick them up on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Something
0: like that. Which, to be fair, that's pretty legit, right? You're trying to escape. You're like, oh, I'm sure we'll see them on the way. Let's go.
1: They also... They ran off without everybody. They left first and ran off... With no thought to how their friends are, so exactly whatever.
0: like what the hell hey, so buddy. so they're gone, uh, the three of them leave, and then Courtney leaves with um uh with them and then but then sheila and and j t are running around mm-hmm. and they oh, I hear the baby, yeah, Aww. sorry, Aw. no, that's okay. Thank if you, you Brett. need to attend her, we can pause. Brett got her, you got her off. Oh. <laughs> Oh sweetheart okay so i'm gonna I'll speed this up baby needs attention no, so, that's fine so they go to uh so they're running around basically bleeding everywhere and uh and they run to one of the- ab- so the condos are not yet most of them are not yet occupied, but they look they run to one they're running through these abandoned streets and there's construction going up everywhere, and they run to uh one that has its lights on, and they're wailing on the door, right and uh nobody answers, of course, and then they have this great do you, do you remember this shot, Sonny? They have this great shot where they do the they they do the like point of view rush in mm-hmm. from the street, so they do the point of view of the driller killer and then he just runs in really fast, and then he basically pulls the drill back and it, they show him sort of plow it in. Kind of gouge style. Yeah. And presumably he's hitting uh, JT right in the crotch. Yeah. That's kind of what they imp- This is the only one where they imply. <laughs> <laughs> you deserved it. He did. He really did. One of the things that we didn't talk about to this point was sort of in a very peculiar um, 80s trope. There's nonstop sounds of sex from JT and Sheila coming o- over the it's couple so of days. Loud. Yeah, just and they're and it's it's ridiculous sex noises. Like I, I mean, I don't want to kink shame or anything, but I'm just saying, like it's just all these people like making the most ridiculous noise. It's it's like somebody said, go in there and and make ridiculous sex noises like that will make people laugh. And you know, she, Courtney's trying to sleep and she's like, God, they're awful. And Sally's like, Well, you should hear them when they really get going. Anyway, so. But he gets basically, presumably, uh, castrated. Good. By the, dr- <laughs> by the driller killer. Yeah. Uh, and then does he get Sheila right away? I'm trying to. I can't recall. Like right there and then. No,
1: no Sheila. Or she runs because yeah, she, she, JT she runs dead. away. All
0: right. And but so finally after like think about like the screaming and the noise and the splatter, uh, and after all this is done, Sheila's gone. There's dead JT you know dickless laying by the garage door this old guy this is my cameo by the way i told i told sunny right away this is me when we when this is remade when they do a a reboot of slumber party massacre 2 this is my role middle-aged dude no hair comes to the door in his robe and he kind of look he opens the door a little looks around and says damn kids it's just the best and worst cliche ever in a horror film. I love that. That was like one of my favorite scenes. I hate to say it. I know you're like, <laughs> dude, what are you talking about? There was like gore and massacres and no, crazy like rockabillies. And I'm like, nope, I'm going with the damn kids guy. I'm yeah, going with great. the old man. <laughs> and that's it. He doesn't get killed. He closes the door, presumably locks it, and goes back to his. And we just never see him again. Milk and uh, butter toast, and we don't. Oh no! (laughs) And we don't. We never hear anything about this guy again. That was great. I don't know. I don't know why. Like you could almost, maybe because you could so hear it coming. Like just the lamest line in the in the history of film. Uh, And I also want to know who that guy was. Like he was somebody's dad or uncle or somebody's <laughs> lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a well, I got a cameo for you. You got to show up. This is all you have to do.
1: Just be angry at children. Be
0: <laughs> be upset that somebody was murdered in your driveway, right? So I want to find out who that guy was. If I like that's that okay? That's now I'm on a mission. I want to know who the damn kids guy was from <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre Two. That is going to be my next uh, tweet. You watch for it, Sonny. Oh, I will. What was one of your uh, favorite scenes?
1: Okay. Mine is when Sally goes missing. I mean, she went to the store. She's not missing, but they think she's missing. And Mm -hmm. they hear a noise in the trash compactor, and they think, oh, no, it's Sally's bones. So they call (laughs) the police. And officers Kruger and Voorhees appear to be extremely rude to everybody. Yes, they do. And before they leave, Officer Voorhees turns to Officer Kruger and says, my favorite line in all of cinema, which is, come on, Kruger, Denny's is holding our booth because it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Not only does no one go to Denny's, you just sort of like end up there and you're like, I don't know how I woke up here, but like a Grand Slam sounds fine, I guess. (laughs) But like you would never make a reservation.
0: Yes, this is true. Why are that's, they
1: holding your booth?
0: I know you told me in text, and I was like, that's a damn good point. What's up with that? Um, Also, like they were holding the booth, but they were making a call. Yeah. Like, what if they got sidetracked? I mean, <laughs> they just hold if the booth. If you're still
1: for- on duty, like maybe don't go to Denny's. <laughs>
0: Well, right before, you're right. That, oh my God, that is so funny. That was Voorhees who said it, right? Yeah. Right beforehand, it wasn't a, one of my favorites, but it was pretty damn good. Kruger, like, it's, a, it's, it's this out of, again, it's a duex machina out of film experience where Kruger kind of turns right to the camera and gives a diatribe about how you kids better not be messing around in my town. And he looks right at the camera when he says it. <laughs> uh for like it feels like an eternity it's probably like 20 or 30 seconds he's just lecturing and finally they cut to courtney with um amy and jeff on the couch and he's lecturing them but for a minute it's like what the what so kruger like officer kruger talks directly to the audience before Voorhees says all right now you Maybe we should get to Denny's. I agree. That was great. That's classic, man.
1: Okay. Not to interrupt you before you do your next favorite moment, but (sighs) I found this guy, and he is listed as Mr. Damn Kids in the credits. (laughs) He's a producer of the film. Yes!
0: God bless you, sir. (laughs) I'm sure he's listening.
1: His name is Don Daniel.
0: Of course it is. Love you, Donnie. (laughs)
1: He's also a producer of Uncle Sam, which I absolutely am obsessed with.
0: Nice. Okay. So actually, in that case, we're, we might have to find him at a convention at some point and corner him. Oh, yeah. You get many autographs. Love you,
1: Mr. Damn Kids.
0: <laughs> Mr. Damn Kids.
1: It's all one word, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to be known as like Mr. Damn Kids from now on. Hello? I'm Dr. Damn Kids. I'm here to take. It's my care friend of Mr. Here Damn here. Kids. <laughs> I love that guy. I it's just stupid. It, it doesn't even make any sense. I think that's why it's so fun. I think that's why I enjoyed that moment yeah. so much. And I also love Voorhees' moment. Uh another one, is this an, is the Rockabilly song break and your one of your favorite scenes? Uh no. All right, so I'll bring it up. During at some point during the mayhem, Again, fourth wall broken, uh, the driller killer turns and does a big dance number for the camera in the 80s living room of the condo, complete with splits and, st- I got to be honest with you, Sonny, some pretty excellent moves.
1: Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And I, mean, I like he, that the lighting changes for him to dance in.
0: He's got his own lighting.
1: Yeah, that's important.
0: The song is, I think that that was... Um, buzz. The buzz, right? And it was, I'm trying to remember how it goes. If I, maybe I'll I put it out there. I, at I some can't point. sing.
1: I can't do it.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I, it, it's a rockabilly. T- it sounds like, it sounds like it's from Greece and the name of the tune is less buzz. And he's basically like excited because he's getting ready to kill Sheila. Who, by the way, they locked out of her own house. What, what's up with that? <laughs>
1: I okay Cor- I Courtney would and Amy that. make
0: it back to the house and they lock poor Sheila out. Okay.
1: I would lock her out too, but not <laughs> it's to her be the house though,
0: Sonny. It's specifically saying,
1: that her and TJ took off. They haven't yeah. seen them since. They probably think that they got away. So there's no reason to not lock the house to keep yourself safe inside. They have okay, no reason fair- to think she'd come back.
0: Well, fair point. But flash forward five minutes when she's wailing on the bedroom door. And they're like, she's doing a lot of
1: screaming and they're like, do you hear something?
0: Uh, And not only do they do that, they like, oh, and then they move like the dresser in front of the door. (laughs) (laughs) So their friend is outside screaming for her life. Mind you, not outside the house now. She's she, er, she's inside the house at the bedroom door yeah, upstairs. Yeah, she's upstairs on the wailing floor. Wailing on the door for them to open to save her because the, drill, the driller killer's busy singing downstairs, let's buzz, and he's coming upstairs to buzz her with the saw, or with the drill, rather, and uh, which he does, of course. But, uh, yeah, how heartless is that? Come on, man. <laughs> Just because she took her top off? Just save Sheila. Yeah. Right? I mean, am I right? yeah i i liked sheila she was a look she's a free spirit i'll say it again the the characteristic oh i'm a big amy fan but the but the but the the, these kids have character i'm sorry they do the girls the the boys i can they're whatever the girls are great uh courtney kick ass uh amy lovely uh sheila spicy and great uh, Sally is funny, and she has a lot of heart. In the end, she there's a there's this funny scene in the car where she she's reading the quote unquote the the, the sort of erotic thriller book. She says, "I found it under my brother's de- my brother's uh, bed." She's reading it, and Sheila tries to get it. And there's this funny throwaway line that is so cute. She's just like, give, give me that back, you piglet." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I got such a kick out of that. It's such it's just, a
1: weird thing to call someone
0: it is but but that's exactly why i said it Sonny, because that's what you might call a friend yeah if you called your friend piglet that that yeah, was yeah I, uh, I
1: say some weird stuff
0: you know, yeah like it's like something you might call a particular friend yeah uh like i have nicknames for my i don't know a couple of my friends too Sa- same kind of thing like not piglet but i don't know i just got a big kick out of that um, so, yeah, so the rockabilly uh, dance break was my number two favorite scene. What was your number two favorite scene?
1: Mine is short but very sweet, and it is Sally's death.
0: Oh, my gosh. Poor so, Sally. Uh,
1: Atanas Did you comes... read
0: my notes, Sonny? I was like, oh, poor yeah, Sally. Yeah,
1: it just says poor Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Atanas Illich comes down the stairs, and we see that he's real, and he's coming after everybody, and they all sort of split up. And... There's three of them go into the kitchen to try and use the phone and it's attached to the wall. It's not like on the counter or anything. Right. And as,
0: Sally... as, as you do in the 80s.
1: Well, I, mine was on the counter. We never hung ours up.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's because you guys were rich. I mean, what we did no. was... We did, no. you No, this is what you do. You put it on the wall. It was in the kitchen in the wall. And... Everybody could hear your conversation. So what you did was when you had enough money from your allowance, you went to the Radio Shack. Ready? That's dating me, right?
1: No, I went to Radio Shack.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, okay. So you've heard of Radio Shack. That's great. Buy the, and then you would buy like the hundred foot coiled phone cord. So, so that you could take the phone into the pantry closet and close the door. (laughs)
1: No, we left ours on the counter. It was the kind that you hang up on the wall. We were just too lazy to hang it up, so like the base for the phone was just sitting on the counter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So maybe I'm the weird one here because we were. Well, lazy. That, yeah, that
0: definitely takes it to a whole new level.
1: Yeah, but I mean, but it's the anyway. same kind of okay. phone. But still, anyway, sorry, so the sorry. phone's on the wall, yeah. and they're trying to call nine one one. Whatever, Sally. <laughs> I don't know why, runs into a corner and it's only like two feet between the edge of the wall and the doorway. And yet she's got a good three minutes before the driller killer even gets to her and does not run through the doorway. She proceeds to tuck herself tighter into the corner.
0: Yeah. Screaming and looking at the driller killer.
1: Yeah. Point of view. So much time to move.
0: Point of view shot. Right. Right. No, that's right. That's right. When he shows up, right? So he comes downstairs. Oh my God, he's suddenly real. Like, who? Who the hell is this guy? TJ says something ridiculous to him. I'm not. Inc- I can't remember he, what he it is. He tries to
1: threaten him somehow.
0: He says like, "You better back off, buddy." Yeah. Like something like that. And he doesn't because he's the driller killer and he's Rockabilly. So to hell with with uh, TJ. But then TJ gets a little slice. So Sheila takes off with him. And Jeff and Amy and Courtney run the hell out into the next room, leaving poor Sally over by the bass guitar and her drum set by herself. And uh, and and you're right. She she...
1: <laughs> she has more than enough time to follow them into the kitchen, and then she
0: she can absolutely follow them out in the kitchen in the
1: corner only and to somehow... get drilled through the wall <laughs> into the telephone to make 911 calls impossible.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, good plot point. Because poor Sally is drilled through the chest and then through the wall and then through the telephone in which they're busy calling 911 again. But let's be honest, Officer Kruger would again yeah, hang up on them, Yeah, they were not. He would first of all, he probably wouldn't answer because apparently they're the only two goofballs at the station, and secondly, He's already had a call where he's like, stop calling here. And he hung up on Courtney. Yeah. When the driller killer was attacking. Oh, yeah. Poor Sally. But she takes like three minutes to die. Poor thing.
1: She just like stands slowly there
0: and takes not escape. I would call her, her, I would call that a not escaping move.
1: <laughs> the screams that she lets out while she just lets that happen to her, though, are
0: fantastic. She is a scream queen. Yeah, I've read about good. her. She was in one of the, did you say, she was in one of the Friday the 13th. Blood, which is yeah, the best Friday the Which I agree with you. is. Well, I haven't seen them all, so I, I can't actually comment. But I will tell you, I had a huge new blood on my, um poster on my bedroom wall when I was growing up, along with Evil Dead 2. Yes. Too. And, uh, and that, to this day, that's still one of my favorite, Friday the 13th. So I can't say it's my favorite. It's my favorite of the ones I've seen. How about that?
1: It's, it's my favorite. It's very fun.
0: But here's the thing, though, son. I got to go back and watch it because I don't remember Sally from it. And not only that, you said she got naked in it, which I really should remember oh, as like remember a teenage naked kid.
1: Naked I have no idea.
0: Oh, OK. For some reason, I thought you had said, but she got naked in that, but not in this or something oh, like no. that. My bad. So maybe that's why I don't remember nudity in that. But, um, but yeah, poor Sally.
1: Because yeah. by the
0: end, I really liked her.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was she a did sweet, nice, wrong.
0: nice person. Acne, <laughs> she did nothing wrong, except for run, escape too slowly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. My last favorite scene then was um, really was T.J.'s dancing. <laughs> no, it was. I got. I so there's a point at which. Uh, the the trio from the band, except for some reason, except for uh, Courtney goes upstairs with Matt to to do it and to celebrate her birthday. And all the other kids stay downstairs and basically start jamming. And TJ starts dancing to the jamming. And I got to tell you, this is like that kind of like spasmodic 80s dancing. Like uh, I think talk-
1: if Love is a Lie by Lion was playing in the background, I... Would not be surprised.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's it's spasmodic. Uh, it's it's a Talking Heads esque. It reminded me. Uh, it's on par with Ed Harris from Creep Show and Crispin Glover from Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. Just if nothing else, just go watch this dance. And it's, it, it, th- it's a very short part of the of the movie, but it's totally worth your time. I think because it's just ridiculously goofy.
1: Get his <laughs> legs are bent, very weird.
0: They are, and his movements are oddly you know they it they kinda of, it looks like he's having a bit of a seizure, yeah, and um and it it's odd coming from this guy who otherwise is really playing it kind of cool and goofy i i don't know i I was thrown i was thrown by it, and pleasantly so um and that actor deserves all the kudos. <laughs> Would what, 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 you want to you want to close this out with a final awesome scene? Uh,
1: it's another short one, but yeah,
0: they're all T.J.'s dancing was maybe thirty seconds, and Damn Kids was maybe less than that, right? And
1: poor Sally,
0: and poor Sally, but that took more like three minutes of her trying to not escape. Yeah, it was
1: very dramatic. <laughs> um, I really enjoy when I just almost called her Helen again, Helen Chapel. When Courtney and Matt are upstairs and he gets her a little birthday cake and they start making out and everything. And then a comes and he drills through his chest. Great effect. Great effect. Just rips his arm off. I don't think he cuts <laughs> it off. I think he just pulls and it just
0: <laughs> comes off. That's so funny you said that. That was in my notes. I'm like, suddenly Matt's arm?
1: Yeah. Where does it? Where's it come from?
0: I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They never show the gore of him, and also that's not a saw; it's a drill. Yeah. Uh, now he could be a freakishly strong guitar rockabilly drill killer.
1: Yeah, he just
0: he just rips tor- it tears of him limbs like off like a wing
1: off a fly.
0: He does, and then he kind of like he kind of flaps it at her as she yeah. runs out the door, something like that. And then
1: he throws it over his shoulder. And the best part is when he has it in his hand. There's the blood on the end where it's been ripped off of his body, but no blood on, like, the skin. <laughs> and then when he throws it over his shoulder onto the birthday cake, the whole arm is just covered in blood. <laughs> <And> <laughs> nice. I don't know that's a great pickup.
0: Where's that continuity? Come on. Okay, that's a continuity error. Yeah. Otherwise, this film is genius.
1: It's so good.
0: I mean, everything about it is fantastic. And I don't know why it doesn't get more traction my final thoughts on this film are that this is this is the best of popcorn horror. Would you agree? It's up there uh, well, by by popcorn horror, I mean uh this is kind of part of my other thought of final thought, which is it's kind of a background movie. Yeah. with all due respect to your love of it, you can walk away from this, get a snack, take a phone call, send back a text, come back, and not miss much
1: <laughs> so Oh, i I dye my hair probably every few months to keep the orange bright nice, and I watch stuff on my phone so that I'm not bored in the bathroom while I'm dyeing my hair
0: and every of course as time, you do yeah every yeah, i I'm, I'm time, joking because I'm pointing at my party my massacre head she, too. Uh, nice, oh, that's awesome. I, I was joking with you, I was pointing at my head and saying oh, <laughs> yeah you know, that's you gotta, how we do it. you gotta upkeep that hair. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. No, I get that. I totally understand and respect that your take on that this yeah, film because I do the same like thing nice, with
1: You just put it on, you don't pay attention to it and when yep. you do look over, you're like, "Oh, there's a great scene."
0: Yep. It, and it's it's full of really fun, ridiculously goofy performances. Um I'll be honest, I watched it once and I was like, "The fuck." <laughs> and then I watched it twice and I was like, okay, I get it. This is art. It, it did it did take a second watch for me. Now, it, it, you know, it, that's art though, like you said. I mean, you you sometimes it just, whatever, it just doesn't tickle your fancy. Like, I don't understand people who don't find any amusement at all in Wes Anderson movies at all.
1: Oh no, that's me.
0: You, you don't get them at all?
1: I don't get it.
0: But, but here's the thing though. All right, I'm glad I brought that up then because I hope uh Jacob is listening from Test Pattern. Like he and I are like, find him to be like one of the funniest, most brilliant filmmakers on the planet. But like folks like you, and I respect it, there are folks like you who go, like I just it's not on my frequency. Yeah. And this is a film that won't find everybody's frequency. But if I think even if you're like like me, if you give it the once over and go, what the fuck? And then you watch it again you may find that you there are parts of it that you really, really enjoy, to like I To be fair,
1: did. the what the fuck feeling doesn't go away because I've seen it about a million times <laughs> and it's still there.
0: Well, the ex machina. Shall we just give it away at the end here? The ex machina is, if I as I understand it, understood it rather, is that um, she was. It's actually Courtney who is. And now I could be wrong. Tell me if this is your take on it. But at the end of the film, they flash to Courtney basically waking up in the asylum instead of Valerie. And in her dream, in the asylum, the driller killer's coming up through the floor with his gigantic guitar drill. So the implication, at least as I took it, was all the stuff that didn't make any sense at all to this point now makes sense because she's just fucking crazy and she's in an asylum.
1: And it's Courtney
0: who was dreaming and in the asylum, not Valerie.
1: That probably makes more sense, but I always figured all of that stuff just happened to her and then she has like a little dream right before she wakes up in the asylum of her and matt in bed and i always just thought that was her dream and then she woke up from that to be in the asylum
0: oh cool okay i gotcha yeah no the way i took it and again this this, again well this is fun right i mean this is this is why you watch movies like this it makes
1: it's gibberish so you can just pick whatever you want and be like "Yeah, yeah this works what
0: the f So my take on it was that she, after the events of of part one, she was so traumatized that she created this little fantasy world inside her head where she lived at home with her mom and they used to visit Valerie. Uh, I don't know, in my version, I never really thought about what happened to Valerie, but aside from that, she's the sort of the mental image substitute for Courtney, who is the actual asylum inmate. And she's imagining her life in high school and in a band and singing your Tokyo convertible and playing guitar and like almost doing it with Matt and watching his arm get ripped off. And all that stuff (laughs) is her dream and fantasy and and insanity. It's her lack of reality, right? And then she wakes up in the asylum and, like, oh, well, you know, let's clap our hands of this and do ex machina. On we go.
1: See, but that feels sane and therefore. (laughs) <laughs> Not intentional. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to write a letter so, to Deborah Brock and be like, what yeah. the fuck?
0: Let's find out. You say my friend and I, Jay, Jay and I talked about your, first of all, listen to Jay's podcast, Clock Strikes <laughs> Midnight. It's a classic. It has at least two listeners. Uh, both of whom are Sonny and Jay. Yay. And, and, <laughs> and let's, uh, furthermore, what, what was the deal here? If she's, if she's an artist like David Lynch, you know what she'll write back? She'll say, it's whatever you thought it was. Oh, God. Because that's what Lynch does, man. He's like, I love listening to what people, you know, yeah, paint. Yeah,
1: but he's endeared himself to me enough that if he's like, it's whatever you want it to be, I'd be like, thank you, David Lynch. But I don't <laughs> know Deborah Brock that way. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, I want an answer.
0: And yes, to the people at home, I've just compared Deborah Brock to, <laughs> to David, David Lynch. Lynch. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Just David watch Lynch. Slumber Party Massacre too. Uh, what What are your kind of wrap up thoughts on the film, my friend?
1: Okay, I <laughs> I don't even know. I got really distracted by the David Lynch thing. Why would you do this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Gotcha.
1: Oh my god! I don't know. I
0: That's okay. Let's it's launch like, right it's a into, good, into like comforting yeah.
1: movie and everybody I know is in love with the thriller killer as they should be it has got a great soundtrack.
0: The guy's all style, and I gotta admit, he's, he's very, a he's, he's a good looking dude. He's and very he knows brilliant. how to dance. Uh if you like anything with like rockabilly style, he's he's on top of it, man. Yeah. I get it. Also, um,
1: I feel like casting for Helen Chapel was perfect.
0: <laughs> I love that Helen Chapel was in this. I love her. I wish she would do more. I said, I annoyed. So after we watched this together, I sent Sonny a link. Have you ever heard that song before? She sang a duet. I didn't
1: didn't know she did music. I had no idea.
0: Well, apparently that's like half of her gig, right? Is that she's a singer. I didn't know that either until I started looking.
1: I had originally, like, obviously I saw Wings before I saw this because I grew up in the 90s. So, of course. And it took me until I was like in my mid twenties to even realize that they were the same person for some reason.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I knew it right away. I'm like, good Lord, that's Helen Chapel. Yeah. I think I even texted you right back immediately. I am like, I'm like, that's Helen Chappell's butt.
1: And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Is that Helen?
0: <laughs> that's my, as a nineties kid, that's my favorite. I can tell you that's my, that's one of my favorite lines from the Simpsons, um, uh, Halloween H- house of Halloween specials is uh, there's this funny throwaway line where they're watching TV and there's a storm outside. And the announcer says, Tonight on Wings. Ah, uh, who cares?
1: Oh, no. <laughs> See, if it had That's... been Casey, I would have noticed immediately.
0: <laughs> yes, Yeah, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> no, I get this, though, Sonny. I, I really appreciate that you brought it to me for the reason that it's a big part of your nostalgia. Yeah. Totally get that. Um, This, to you, is probably like the fog john carpenter's the fog is to me because i did the same thing at about your age and i went in there to the uh, again to the i don't know if i was by myself i like to think i was but i probably was like on a leash that was attached (laughs) to my dad or something but anyway i was looking around and i saw this amazing i've always been a kid of the water um something to do with the great lakes and then the ocean when i found it i was like oh this is the thing but I saw like the lighthouse and the zombies and the ghosts and the pirate flag, and I'm like, oh, I gotta watch the, f- I gotta watch that.
1: I got roped um, in by Tom Atkins.
0: Well, I mean, who doesn't? It's all about sex appeal, right?
1: Dream man.
0: <laughs> I have you met him? He's the coolest guy. Oh yeah. No, the...
1: I I wouldn't be able to contain myself near him. It's not a good <laughs> idea.
0: It happens. People do lose their shit. I didn't I see anybody actually like pee or anything, but I did see people crying.
1: I'd cry. I would hundred yeah. percent cry. i and I'll I tell you something. This is this is Tom people.
0: Atkins. I know we're off topic, but this is Tom Atkins. He literally came out from behind the the table and he said, "Oh, don't cry. I I, I just want to be your friend." And he would like hug people. That would
1: make me cry harder.
0: I, well, and they did. But okay, to be yeah. fair, that's him, and he was the nicest guy. Uh, and uh, he he gets his. He understands what he means to people, but he also understands that he never won an Oscar. If you know what I mean, like he i agree with you but but he also is kind of tongue-in-cheek about it anyway maybe you know if we all meet up at living dead weekend uh, he'll come back and and we can that's that's one of the that's one and of then the first you can places see cry. and then i can see you cry with tom atkins that's all i want really sunny that's the whole reason i I've invited you on cry. the show to see you cry with tom atkins um Thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. I really enjoyed talking about this. And again, I if you, had you not brought this to me, Sonny, I would not have watched it a second time and I would not have appreciated it for as much fun as it actually is. Because it's a lot of fun. It's kind of stupid fun.
1: Yeah. That's what makes it fun, is that it's stupid.
0: It's rockabilly, ridiculous, like song break, fourth wall, tongue in cheek. Let's Angry see if chickens. this aff- <laughs> uh, uh obligatory, like Roger Corman boobs, uh Complete Kruger with Voorhees.
1: A, I, I like that Roger Corman made them watch rock and roll high school as well.
0: Yeah, right. It, oh, we forgot to mention that. That's important they important to me. They're they yeah, they're watching it at the condo. Right? Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. Um you, my friend, are, f- are a really fun person to talk to movies about. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will continue to do so, but is there, where can, where can other people who, where are the three people who are listening right now, where can they ca- find you online to, uh, I- I- to talk about movies and so forth, or just gab about, um, like, I'm, Giallo?
1: I mostly just use Twitter and Letterboxd, honestly.
0: That's nice. pretty much it. What's your handle at Twitter?
1: Deputy Winston because I am Eli Roth trash.
0: I love that. That's another classic. You have to come back and do all the movies we talked about even glancingly. I'm, Will yeah, ya? I'm into that. Okay, good. Cuz yeah, Eli Roth again, king, right? So Fantastic. Good. But I really now that I know that that Tenebrae was your first choice, I'll just go buy it. Do you I I presume you own it. So oh, yeah. Every so often, Sunny Sunny puts up the coolest, uh, sort of quote unquote letterbox shots, title shots from movies she's watching. So you take a photo right of your, um, of your TV screen. Yeah,
1: I'll either do my TV screen or just take a screenshot on the computer if I'm watching something on there, and then I'll put up the title screen of whatever I'm watching.
0: Yeah, the title shot, and uh, and she'll put it up. And I know Jacob and Tab both. I think both of them. I know Jacob for sure. From test pattern podcast, which is basically the like spawned this one, um, so it's all their fault if you guys don't like the this show, <laughs> blame go on Twitter and blame test pattern show. But anyway, right now they yeah that's right. To just say take Jay off the air, but they uh th- yeah they they said I really dig the way they just basically put a put a phrase to what we were all thinking, which is I totally dig the way you, you put the title card photo when you're watching a movie. And I agree. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. So I hope folks will come find you on, uh, on Twitter and um, you are a joy, my friend.
1: You're a joy.
0: Oh, get out of here.
1: You're a joy.
0: <laughs> how much love though. Look, look, how much all, look at all this Detroit Pittsburgh love.
1: Oh, I didn't we're say Yens not- ends once.
0: We're, I, or nebby well,
1: or Gumband or anything fun.
0: I'm so glad that you'd like fit that in at the end though. Because listen to the Clarks. Go buckos. <laughs> Wait, how about um and uh an uh an at?
1: Oh, I'm gonna I'll meet yeah. you down
0: at uh I gotta put on my pants and at
1: <sighs> You said it like so separately that I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's all one word, just mashed together.
0: It's all linguistic. It's like pants and at. Nah. Uh, mov- movies Nat. Yeah. I want you guys to go to Twitter, net and find me and Sonny. And uh, and thanks again, buddy. Will you come back and talk about Tenebrae and or other movies come to come for I will
1: absolutely come back forth? and talk about Tenebrae. For like four hours, you will get very tired of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never would. I have so thanks. much
1: to say about that movie.
0: <laughs> All right. We are bringing you... Be- be- okay, I'm going to quote, go back to Jacob and Tad for one second. Quote, Best arm chop in the history of arm chops.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Is we, I could talk about, let's just talk about the arm chop. That'll be the warm up episode. And then we'll break Tenebrae into 10 different episodes.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm into that. I could do an entire episode just about Jane getting her arm cut off.
0: You totally got me into that film, and I have to thank you for it. And I thank you again for this one. And I will see you. Uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Come back. Okay, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to clock strikes midnight for more information or to suggest topics find me on twitter at fin 313 the show's music was written by kevin mcleod and can be found on incompetech.com many thanks to my guests who give freely of their time and thank you for listening until next time